All right, what up, guys? Welcome to an episode of the Cymatic Show. Today we have Busy Works Beats. What's up, man? Oh yeah, I don't know which camera to look at. Which no, that's you right here. That's <laughs> you right, right here. There. Yeah, what yeah. Up, what up, what up? <laughs> What's going on, brother? Yeah, thanks for coming down, man. Mm-hmm. Dude, you just sure. you just came down the fly. Like you were like, yeah. yo, you know, I was trying to hit you up for that event, and I'm glad yeah. you were just down to come out. You know, and you are the reason why this whole trip to ATL meant something. Like, you know what I mean? Like, A3C is something, but your thing meant something. Does that make sense? Yeah, I appreciate that, man. I mean, we were excited to get you down here. For the little backstory, guys, this man is very hard to get in contact with. Talk about, I've been hitting him up for years. Okay. Years, since Cymatics was a a little infant. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're hitting up this guy because his YouTube channel was popping so hard. For those you guys who don't know, uh, his YouTube channel is enormous, one of the biggest FL, probably the biggest FL Studio YouTube channel, right? Possibly. Turn like subscribers. What? What's your subscribers numbers at? Last time I checked, like six twenty. Six twenty. Okay. Yeah, six hundred twenty thousand, not mm-hmm. six hundred twenty subscribers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and has has I think somebody who's who's a great role model for a lot of producers out there doing something super interesting, dominating YouTube, which I've been screaming about to the Cymatics audience, like right. build a YouTube channel, you know, for sure. Because there's so much money, like dude, serving the producer audience, like dude, that's a I think that's an amazing market, you know. Right, and you know this is why I respect you is because you take care of the customer, you know what drives the customer, you know their vision. You have a vision. Like, you think super big. Like, I don't know if people at home know. We got a three-camera setup right now. We got two big Saturn-sized lights. We got a <laughs> whole partition lights. right now. So, Stephen thinks big, and that's something I respect. And yeah, I respect that, got man. me here. This, this is a real thing. You know, it's funny is that I, I think one of the biggest things is I, I look at a lot of other industries, and I see how, like, me and Drew Constantine are seeing how, like, what's going on in gaming. Look at Ninja killing it in gaming. Or, like, let's look at Gary Vee, how he's running his company, mm-hmm. $200 million company. And then let's look at, you know, Zuckerberg and how these social platforms are working, how these new things. And when you start to look at that... Mm-hmm. You know, before, as, a, as when we were really trying to be artists, we looked at some guy touring, packing out a venue of 150 people. We're like, dude, if we could just get there, that'd be amazing. Right. All of a sudden, we start looking 100x bigger. And then we're like, wait a minute, maybe we could do even bigger things in different types of ways. You know what I'm saying? Opened our right. mind a bit to different types of opportunities, you know? Right. And speaking on that live event, I know what you mean. Like, the live event thing, you're like, okay. It's so hard to scale it if you don't know how to go in between without spending 100000 to rent one venue. Uh-huh. It's it's hard to go from renting it for five hundred bucks to a hundred thousand yeah. to rent a venue space, so I, I'm cutting off the flow. But I respect you, man. Yeah, no, so. I appreciate that, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, re- definitely respect from our team. You know, we've been uh, just I'm building something that scale, man. That's not hard. How, how many years have you been doing the the YouTube game? Like five years, maybe. So just I think. Going, going for a while. Like hardcore, I say focused five years, uh-huh. but like there probably ten years as a user. Okay, like yeah, yeah, no, that's what's up. So, so what made you put up that first couple tutorials slash videos? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, what was that like? Yeah, people think it's like this magical story, right? They think, oh, I took some some course and then you know followed the steps and got became successful. Mm-hmm. It was really just me trying to help my friends on Facebook. So here's where it all starts: try Facebook groups. I was in a Facebook group. That's how we got started, Facebook groups. It was so good. It's still, I say it's still good to this day. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't realize, and I abandoned it. Like you said, like, by nature, we're so entrepreneurial that we want to start new things, and we abandon stuff that's working sometimes. Mm-hmm. And Facebook groups were working for me, and I abandoned it, and I came back, and I see super growth in Facebook groups. Yeah. But um, long story short, uh, we were in a, a Facebook group about um, how to sell beats, but it was like an ebook from... Dame Main Beats. Mm-hmm. So shout out to Dame Main Beats. Uh, Ice Boy, I think his name was. Mm-hmm. 
and he uh, gathered all the folks together with a common interest. And so we're helping each other out. It felt like a community for real, like giving feedback and everything. Mm-hmm. And they would have questions, but the only re- the only way you can answer somebody's question, technical question like that, is to do a video. So I had the Camtasia. You asked me about Camtasia. Yeah, yeah. I had the Camtasia demo. I mean, to the point where like the demo sticker was still in the bottom of the video yeah, right yeah. there. So if you go back to my beginning videos, you'll see it. And um, I just recorded how to do the specific thing they asked about. And then I found out, oh, YouTube has an organic uh, reach or whatever. So like I could help them with certain keywords, but then it would also help more people. Mm-hmm. And I said, why am I being selfish only helping one person at a time? How do you help a thousand people at a time? Like, how do you fish with a net versus a line? Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. Yeah, like it's the same two hands. Like we're, you can either do this or you can just throw a net out a net. there. Yeah. Same two hands. And so, were, you, were you seeing a lot of success in your early uploads? Um, yeah, this is back when YouTube wasn't, you know, they didn't have the governors and the suppressors and all the craziness yeah, going yeah. on. This is back when you could stuff the video description with keywords and it would help you. Uh-huh. Nowadays, I'm not saying it's impossible because ah, there's so much. I don't want to like divulge too much. But, yeah, don't feel free, man. Um, I did a case study, for example, of channels that had under 10K subscribers and they did 30,000, 50,000 views in a day. Because they focused on what? I'll let you guess. Uh, tutorials? Trends. Trends. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yeah. YouTube rewards trends. Like, they want to compete against ABC, NBC. So, if you can be first in whatever that thing is, they reward you. Mm. And that's how you get your first, that's how you get traction going. A lot of people are scared of trends. What's your opinion on, like, hopping on trends? Well, no, I think it's amazing. We, we did a consulting session with VaynerMedia, and that was one of the things they said, like, piggyback off the back of something else, mm-hmm. you know? So a good example is this guy, full-time filmmaker. Um, he's, like, he's a film guy, kind of like Cymatics a little bit, except he serves a film market, you know? So he comes out with videos and stuff to help, like, photographers and all that kind of stuff, okay. vide- videographers. But what he did was that I thought was super interesting. Every year the iPhone would come out. Mm-hmm. He does, like, an iPhone ten. Or uh, like an iPhone 9 or, or what the fuck is iPhone X yeah. versus a $40,000 red camera, which is like the mm. movie cameras, right? Because he has one. Right. But what he does, he does a comparison video where it's both shots. So they're both like on a little tripod thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he does the shots. And it's crazy because of how similar they look. So right. I've, iPhone 7 versus $40,000 red camera. And then you're shocked because you're like, damn, these aren't actually that different. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing was it went viral. It got millions and millions of plays, got picked up on all these different blogs and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the, the thing you're saying about trends, he released it the month the iPhone came out. Slammed because of the search queries were so heavy. Everybody's looking up new stuff about it. Right. Guess what? When the new Samsung Galaxy came out, he did the same video. And mm-hmm. He popped. And I was thinking, I was already even translating that in my head. I was like, damn, I wonder if new equipment, like, you know, when like the new Ableton comes out or, mm-hmm. you know, new FL Studio or something like that. It's obviously buzzing. Take right. it like I love the idea of like okay let me go ahead and pop a quick some sort of comparison video something to try and take advantage of all that traffic right you know and see people at home this is what makes Stephen different from everybody else so uh, what's that book The Alchemist by Paul Cohen or something? I've heard of that book I haven't read it but mm-hmm. I definitely know what you're talking about like your body is an alchemical machine like we take in food we convert it to something else to energy to waste whatever mm-hmm. so you are converting one thing into another thing. That's what makes you a creator. Like, that's what makes you the magical being that you are. So when you observe, like, for example, we, we're both sitting across from each other, mm-hmm. and my perspective is different from your perspective. You're seeing the brick wall behind me. I'm seeing the partition curtain, you know, uh, behind yeah. you. 
And that's what life is. It's about perspective, but it's also about the meaning you give to that perception. So for example, with trends, you can, let's say, um, you said Ableton, right? Comes mm -hmm. out, let's say Ableton 11 comes out or something yeah. like this. Okay. You're saying, how do I not only tell people Ableton 11 came out, but how do I transform it into my ecosystem? Here's a better example, something that's completely unrelated, okay? Mm -hmm. Let's say, um, I don't know any Google, like Takashi, right? Takashi 69? Yeah. He's tr he used to be trending at least. So how would you bring that into your content? You don't just say Takashi 69 gets out of jail because my audience would be like, I don't care. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You got to be like, how to make a Takashi 69 beat? I'm just saying. I mean, Drew, Drew hops on that all the time on Instagram. You'll see him do like little little styles like that because he can replicate almost any production style. Right. And those trends, even like uh, when World of Warcraft come, uh, came out, and it was popping recently. I don't know if you saw the big classic thing. Uh -huh. And instantly we were thinking like, okay, how about like how to make a wild like a, a World of Warcraft beat where you take some of the sounds and create some something mm -hmm. cool, you know? Right. So. Yeah, and see the the reason I think we connected faster was mm -hmm. because we studied from the same mentor, Frank Kern. Oh yeah. You say, and you told me. I don't know if this is public information, but you told me he taught you about like launches and stuff. Yeah. I mean, dude, yeah. The framework of like, dude, copywriting, you know, copywriting. I, I tell people like, dude, learning about that marketing shit is good. You know, right. he's one of the godfathers. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, I think what super connected us because I had more respect and I understood you more. Like I understood your approach more because to other people who don't understand, they're like, why is this guy doing this? And I, they put their own meaning to it. I saw the second I saw you at that, with the picture of Frank Kern, I was like, oh, okay. He comes from my, <laughs> he comes from my dojo. You know what I'm saying? It's like we train yeah. at the same dojo. That's kind of what it is, you know? <laughs> yeah, we're like in the same class, but we didn't know. Yeah, exactly. And I'm bringing his name up because uh, one of the techniques he teaches, and this is great for, I guess, tips for your audience, is that if you want to write better YouTube thumbnails, better headlines, so to speak, better mm -hmm. subject lines, he's like, go to Cosmopolitan, go to GQ, go to Men's Health, and you'll see, like, all, they have copywriters that spend tons and tons of time coming mm -hmm. up with the perfect words that go together. So if it's like how to get six-pack abs in six minutes, you don't, you, the way you do it with your alchemical approach, your creator approach is don't just copy what, you know, don't just say how to get abs in six minutes, how to get six abs, what is it? A six-pack in six minutes. Uh -huh. Say how to mix your beat in six minutes. You, you convert it. You know what I and, mean? And how, okay, so I think a lot of people don't know this. How important is the copyright and the subjects, the, the titles, how important is that to the success of your content on something like YouTube? Mm -hmm. I will say the more energy you give it, like video editing, YouTube thumbnails, and the title, the more energy you put in, because we get lazy. We're like, let me just screen record and throw it up there. But it does make a difference. Like one of our recent videos went, I guess, pseudo viral, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. um, it has like 300 something thousand views, but it's because I was so energetic from an event I came from in Atlanta. Um, and I think my energy was in the video. Like, this is something we don't really calculate. It's yeah. energy, energetic. Um, I'll get into that in a second, because that's an aside. But um, what was your question so I could just uh, So, So how, how important do you believe that the, the, the subject line, the copywriting, like the title of the video, how important that is to the success of the content that you're putting up on YouTube? Mm -hmm. I could tell people, you know, how to do a tertiary, courtiary, uh, whatever the proper word is. Somebody help me online. I don't know. Courtiary uh, harmony, or I could say how to make fire melodies in FL. It's a different wording, but it matters. People can relate. Mm -hmm. Like they don't, like I could say, here's a, a beat with a low pass filter that goes underwater and is focused around 500 hertz. Or I could say Drake type beat. Like one's going to translate, one's not. You got to speak the people's language. 
And I was teaching my mom this. I'm like, you got to talk to your audience. You got to reverse engineer. You don't start with the product. You end with the product. Yeah. You got to know your people like, you know, the girl, your girlfriend. Like, you got to know your people like you're dating. That's how, like, intense you have to be. Um, and I think it's going to make a 300x return if people just take the time. Write out maybe 10 titles. See the ones that suck. And I learned this from Lil Wayne because he's super concise. You listen to Lil Wayne? Uh, back in the day. Okay, yeah, back in his, like, you know, prime. Jo Jordan's over there like, fuck yeah, listen to Lil Wayne. <laughs> yeah, he shout out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, listen to Wayne. Um, what makes him great is that he takes, he uses the least amount of words to say the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you can take out all the filler crap, like the Dude, I try to do that all the time, man. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, like, take, take that junk out. People don't care. And... That, just do that technique. Write out, t here's like a, a, an exercise. Write out 10 headlines or 10 titles and take out all the junk words and pick the best one. And just, now I wish YouTube could test and do A-B testing and all this, but mm -hmm. it's something you have to do over time. Yeah. Mm. Um, do you think that YouTube's like a good way for people to kind of get started with their career? Like putting out content and stuff? Because I think a lot of artists kind of like don't know, like they're, they're thinking putting out beats or putting out songs or stuff. It's just magically, if it's good, it's going to it's gonna rock and roll. But in mm -hmm. reality, they, they'd almost like are just throwing shit in the dark. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like right. do you think YouTube's a pretty practical way to start growing an audience? Yes. And the difference between Facebook and YouTube, because Facebook has video now. Mm -hmm. But the difference is that YouTube has organic searching. So Facebook, nobody's going to type in Drake type B tutorial into the Facebook search. They're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. They're going to follow your page and maybe see your video. But on YouTube, they're searching still. So there's always going to be a problem. There's always going to be a solution. There's always going to be trends. And you have to position yourselves as an audience, I mean, mm -hmm. to solve that specific problem, you know, with that specific keyword for that specific trend. Hop on trends. Like, that's the number one thing. There's so many examples of kids who just hopped on a trend and got 50,000 views. And now they surpass that threshold to then monetize. Mm -hmm. And you can monetize a lot quicker on YouTube for free than you can on let's say, uh, TuneCore or what's the other one? Uh, DistroKid? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it costs you money to monetize. So, like, it, it's not helping you. So I want to go deeper into this. Can you tell everybody a little bit about search and how, like, kind of you're solving a problem with the video and how if you can be that person? Because I don't think everybody fully understands SEO, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, especially not from a YouTube perspective. So kind of like a for dummies thing, do you want to go ahead and explain it in a simple way so they understand that? Because I think right. it's... Traffic wise, like, dude, if they even understood like 30% of that game, okay. like they would have that point of not being able to get traction to actually get out there and get known because they have a strategy. And I think that right. you've done well with this, you know? Thank you. Yeah. Um, I think it starts with understanding two paradigms. One is the beta paradigm, which is uh, the reactionary paradigm, which is meaning you're not really a creator. And I don't mean this to, to belittle anybody, but if your approach is always, uh, to follow what's already been done. Mm -hmm. Like you're always going to be catching the tail end, the scraps, and you're not going to see the results you want because you're not creating the momentum in your own Light. wave. So that was a nice way to say copying doesn't always help. Um, and now if it's a trend, it doesn't matter because everybody's attacking the same thing at the same time. But when you're going through, like for example, if they go to my YouTube page and they go through all my top videos and try to redo everything, that lived in a certain amount of time. That did well because it was two years ago. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's the beta approach. Now, the alpha approach is how do we, what was your, let me answer your question because I'm in Aries and I go way yeah, off Yeah, no, tangents. it's cool. I like it, man. That's the podcast is, is a tangent product. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. But no, no, I was thinking about the search and stuff because like I want, I want oh. people to understand the fact that if somebody's searching in how to make 
uh, Drake type beat. And if you're the person who made the best video for that, you get free traffic. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So talk about like search a gotcha. little bit. Yeah. Okay. You helped my brain get back on track. No, it's okay. all good. It's all good. So here's a tool. I think it's, I pay for it. It's called TubeBuddy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now I'm not just going to say get TubeBuddy and that's it. I'm going to give you data about how to use it. Mm -hmm. So with TubeBuddy, they help you when you're doing your video tags, they will populate. So let's say if I make a video about FL Studio, how to make a fire melody. Mm -hmm. And then I type in FL Studio. And I can hit enter or I can hit FL Studio and it will pull up related keywords. So a lot of people don't even look at the related keywords for one. Now, this is the very beginner level stuff. Mm -hmm. You just click all the plus icons and just add all the related keywords. It doesn't matter if your video is specifically about that thing. That's what people think. Like, OK, so let's say we make a video about this podcast. Right. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't like you could put busy works beats as a keyword or it could say busy works beats FL Studio or busy works beats melody tutorial. It's not that it were, this is a melody tutorial. It's that people who are seeking for the melody tutorial say, oh, there's a podcast, mm -hmm. and they're interested in that. So you can't take out keywords just because it's not specifically about that thing. Mm. Another tool on TubeBuddy is um, the rising tab. So if you, there's called a keyword explorer. So if you type in FL Studio, it'll tell you how, you know, how much competition, how many video searches, how many uh, searches per month. Always make sure that the searches per month is greater than the amount of videos created because it's less competition. Yeah. So if you see not many people are, are doing a videos about citrus in FL studio or something like that, you know, gross beat, not, not many people make it, but a lot of people are searching it. Then you could go attack like, Oh, let me make a gross beat tutorial. Cause I think this will do really well because nobody's competing. Mm -hmm. I think in the drop shipping market, they call this arbitrage. Mm -hmm. I don't know the technical terms like banking and all this, but it's saying, where is the community underserved? Mm -hmm. And then you serve the people. That's all this is. Like, you're a great servant. The reason you're sitting here and the reason you have this huge operation going is because you serve the people. You put the people first. You gave value beforehand. Like, I want people to know. We were on the phone, right? I used to, like, have gripes about, like, oh, cymatics. Oh, they're, you know, are they authentic? Are they real? But, like, you were real on the phone. And you were like, yo, man, I know how to help you. And you just gave tips for free. I wasn't even expecting this. Yeah, I mean. I was like, I, a lot of people. A lot of people want to like hide stuff or like hide strategy or, or stuff like that. Me and Drew are like, dude, we love, like, dude, I love making somebody else, you know, stacks or helping somebody else grow like crazy or give them a cool strategy or something. And I think a lot of people in the music industry are used to be like worried and like scared yeah. of getting stuff stolen. They think that like, oh, if everybody finds out about this plugin, yeah. if everybody gets my kick drum sample, like yeah. all of a sudden, <laughs> like I'm toast. And I'm like, dude, if if this little one secret was was the thing that's going to hold you back, then you're probably not that good anyways. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And, and we right. apply that to knowledge, strategy, production. Like, mm. dude, a lot of people were kind of upset that we opened the doors on production and we're like, dude, fuck that. We're going to share everything. You know, sound design, the whole mm. thing across the board, you know? I love that. Yeah. And but, but I think there's more opportunity in that because the more you give, the more you get back. You know what I'm saying? True. And, and you taught me something that I, I should have learned from the casino business is my mom or, you know, my family, let's say not my mom, but they would always visit the casino. I love the, the casino. I'm going to tell you that right now. I love the casino. And my yeah. family also goes for that free gift. They get yeah. fucking come get a George Foreman grill <laughs> yeah, right. and you're out there gambling. <laughs> They're like, oh, I need, you know, Snuggies. Like, do you really need a Snuggie? Like your house is always 80 degrees. Do you need a Snuggie? But yeah, there's so much. And you apply from different industries. I went on a tangent there, but um What's that? What were we talking about? Like, you said the uh, uh, with the casino, something to learn from the casino business. Get yeah, away the free stuff. I, I guess aside from all the businessy talk, just as a person though, mm -hmm. um, you know, when I sense that authenticity on the phone, I'm like, okay. Oh, and here's what I was gonna say. 
recently I've been linking up with all the top players and I try to introduce as many people as possible. I talked to you yeah. personally about that. And um, I realized like certain people have egos and like it's blocking them from the bigger picture. Like why Dude, do we have these yes. egos? And I listened to Mike Tyson's, I think I was telling uh, JFK over there about, or somebody in Jordan about Mike Tyson's um, podcast called Hot Boxing. Mm-hmm. And he was talking to Joe Budden and he was saying how Mike Tyson went after all the material things, millions, had all the girls he wanted. And at the end of the day, he realized that he was only doing it for his ego. So, like, even on these high levels, we have to realize, like, our ego. Now, if we talk about, like, me and JFK were talking about, like, 5-MEO, DMT, and all this type of stuff that they were talking about on the Hot Boxing Podcast. But I'm not going to, like, make this a Joe Rogan uh, episode. But I'm not into, like, Drew's here. psychedelics they're, they're, or anything. Drew's here. They've already been a blunt lit fucking three minutes <laughs> into the podcast. Fascinating. <laughs> and um, part, of, part of me saying that is that the, the goal is to release ourselves of the ego, which is considered a crystallization of our spiritual self. Long story short, what that means is we are higher beings. This is like an Eastern understanding. I know uh-huh. I'm going on a tangent. No, no, it keep make, going. Keep going, man. Yeah. In uh, Eastern philosophy, uh, it's understood that we're higher spirits. Like imagine a cake with three layers. So we're up here on the third layer. And then the second layer is a different realm. And then the first layer is uh, the, uh, this realm, the mm-hmm. worldly realm. So they believe that we are manifesting our higher spirit into that first lower realm, which is a lower frequency, whatever you want to call it. You know, the spectrums of light and all these different things. So we are, now here's something for the people who have the victim mentality in your audience. Like, instead of saying, oh, this was done to me. Oh, what was me? You know, I can't afford this. I can't do that. My parents are abusing me. I, you know, they're alcoholics, whatever. Instead of thinking of it like that, think of it like you chose your parents. And that's the Eastern philosophy. If you're the higher spirit manifesting yourself in this lower realm, you chose the vehicle to be manifested. And the point is, our ego is the crystallization or the... Uh, when we add mass or material to that spiritual thing, which is not of material. And that's what's holding us back. And that's what we have to release so that we can get back to our higher self. Um, I went on that tangent to say, uh, you know, you got to get rid of the ego. Like, it's just holding us back. Yeah, no, I, I did. Me and Drew talk about that all the time. And it actually kind of steers us away with working with certain people because we realize that, like, dude, a lot of people's ego sometimes can get them stuck in short-term traps like mm-hmm. dude there was a there was a time when warner music was hitting us up me and drew right. were you know we were making this chill music they want us to like produce for like really big like r&b singer oh, like make beats for him and stuff and mm-hmm. we thought because we were in this edm realm we thought we were too good for that opportunity we're like no we're touring we're going to be touring producers we're going to be like you know mm-hmm. like a flume act or something and we're too good to go do like that beat thing you know what I'm saying? Mm. And this was way back. And there was such an yeah. ego. Our ego was wrapped up in that. And the, and the reality of it was is that we had such a big ego that we didn't even we didn't even think that that was a great opportunity to, like, work with Warner, you know, to get mm. in there, make some money and all this stuff. We just were so stuck on what we believed mm. that we missed out on a, a sick opportunity. Right. And, like, in the long term, it plays itself out. It's fine. You know, we learned lessons from it, you know. But I think mm. that... There's a lot of situations like that where producers feel too prideful to do a certain thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. in reality, they're missing some great... I, I think right now, a lot of people should start off with like one-on-one lessons teaching people just trying to learn FL Studio in Ableton. Because mm-hmm. you don't have to be the best in the world. And, and, and everybody's looking at touring or like giant beast play, beat placements. They don't realize that there's a lot of producers who start off teaching at like a school or something. Or yeah. you know, doing all these little things along the way to help build you off of that full-time job. So you can get off of it and then slowly get towards your career. But the ego holds you back. You want to, you see yourself being the top guy. 
Mm. You know what I'm saying? And when, when you see yourself being the top guy, like the problem is that you don't realize there's steps to getting there. And so you ignore these opportunities along the way that could be huge. Right. So, so one thing, even giving away free beats, bro. People mm. don't listen to my strategy about giving away free beats. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, collect yeah. fucking leads, bro. Build right. an email list. But they're too ego, too prideful because they're seeing this short term like, no, they need to pay me $20. Well, so I'm like, bro, mm. I have 1.1 million emails. You got right. a fuck ton. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. that's where the money's at. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I love about your post is you're breaking that paradigm and you're introducing the new way of thinking for us producers. Because a lot of people, you got to be honest, aren't entrepreneurial thinking in the music realm. Like, they say they want to be a producer, but yeah. they really want a job which is different than like the entrepreneurial path. Uh-huh. And you're right, they're stingy about that free thing. Like how do you get people through that if they are kind of like stuck I mean, in their way? I, I think it's like they got to see the bigger picture. Like, unfortunately, mm-hmm. people don't just listen to something at face value because if they believe something else, their mm-hmm. ego is going to get in the way. Okay. But, like, for me, I just broke it down. Like, I'll show – like, and one thing we're going to do is uh, me and Drew are going to do a $10,000 a month beat challenge. Sick. So, essentially, what we're going to do is we're going to say, hey um, – and we want to document this. This is something for fun we're going to do on the side. Mm-hmm. We're literally going to say, all right, guys, so we're not allowed to use Steven and Drew or Cymatics' name. Let's push that out of the way. We're going to give some rules. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're only allowed a budget of, like, $500, so we're not allowed to – use our cash to, to win. And it's going to say, Hey, okay. we're going to make a random, a, a random name of a producer. And we're going to mm-hmm. try to get that producer selling beats, making okay. 10 grand a month with our skills. So, so restraint okay. to something that we believe that the audience has. Okay. And then, so what we're going to do is we're going to start this. His name might be Johnny beats. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And we have Johnny or something. Mm-hmm. And I want to, we want to build that beat business from the, the ground up sh- right. and document every step of the way. So everybody can watch and mm-hmm. saying, boom, Hey, we're making 10 grand a month now. Here's what we started with. Right. You know, you can do it too. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? I, I learned that. that from Neil Patel. He did that one time with the blog. He said, I'm going to make a hundred grand a month. I'm going to show you over the next year. And everybody was right. watching. They was like, oh, this is cool. So right. me and Drew are going to do it. Cause we're like, okay, mm-hmm. we know how to do this shit. Even without the Semax name. Reminds me of a, uh, Maybe not on the Neil Patel level, but oh, who's the other guy who did? Um, he would always show his revenue in the top passive income. Passive, yeah, Pat Flynn. Uh, Pat Flynn, yeah. yeah. And he would just show people like it's possible. And I, I tried this to a degree, which uh, I think I was doing it through like Beat Stars, because the common misconception is that, oh, you know, you sell courses, you sell sounds, you don't know how to sell beats. It's like. I'm learning how to sell beats E-commerce. and sounds from a guy who sells insurance. Like, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, and that's something that people just don't understand is that. I studied how Chick-fil-A sells chicken sandwiches and I translate it into selling sound packs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I look at their customer service. I'm like, I want customer service like that. You know, mm-hmm. it helps sell. And also put crack in it. Maybe that'll help. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's not salt. Those are shavings of, of no. Hey, jo- hey, Jordan. Is Jake outside? Oh, yeah. Hey, Jake. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin the podcast. And my laptop's about to die, and I got all my questions on here. Can you? Can you grab my uh, charger? Got you. Appreciate it, man. No I just want to say before it, it popped out. Oh, um, this yeah, is like dude. A mini breaker. No, 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 we're oh, still oh. going. Yeah, like I said, we're raw. So if I need to fucking call for somebody, we just leave it in. Oh, sick. I think man. people. I think people like more raw stuff. Mm-hmm. And the, I agree. the reason I'm saying that is there's a reason that. Uh, a boxing match doesn't get as much excitement per se from the everyday person as something like a um, as something like a raw world star hip hop guy just beating ass on a shitty phone and shaking. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's a reason that that goes viral, and yeah. you post a boxing match on Facebook and it will not. Right? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 
Um, That's yeah. funny. It, yeah, it reminds me of like um, when soccer, like the, soccer is so ongoing, like there's no timeouts. Mm-hmm. So like the commercial breaks, you could just take a commercial break whenever because nobody's going to score. So yeah, they yeah. just have to randomly guess like when they take commercial breaks. I don't know where we started with this whole tangent, but I hope I answered uh, what, you, yeah. what you were asking. I think to the core of what we were talking about is like people, if you want to reach these higher levels, you got to you got to look outside your industry. And that's something that you've always been talking about. Like we talked about the casino industry, the Chick-fil-A out there. We were talking about um, who else did we grab ideas from? Uh, like who else did you learn from? Mm, I mean, honestly, the gaming industry is big for me. Like I, I spent a lot of time gaming and I love to see how things are done in gaming, you know, mm-hmm. the way they're doing streaming, the way they're, they're dominating YouTube in a lot of different ways. Like right. gaming industry is bigger than like the music industry, the movie industry and all that shit like combined gaming is right. huge. So a lot to learn there. I think in a, you, you just reminded me in Philadelphia, I think they're building an esports stadium. Really? Specifically for esports. Like it's wild now. Okay, so with games, though, you can compete. So it's like, I'm the best at Halo 2. Uh-huh. I'm the best at, uh, what's the game people play? Apex Legends? or Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. Apex, uh, Overwatch. Overwatch. Yeah. But, like, what we like producers need that. But is that a beat battle? Like, how do you, how do they compete without subjectivity? I think that's... So I'm going to start playing around with beat battles. So I'm going to start hosting beat battle events because I've never, Sick. I didn't even know they do that. And I was like, oh, this kind of sounds hype. You know what I'm saying? Sick. Um, but yeah, we don't have something exactly like that, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I do think it's cool though. And it's fun. Right. But I think it doesn't have to be competing. Like even what we're about to go, you're about to see our event tonight, dude. It's mm-hmm. a big, like, like it's a big ass party, but with mm-hmm. producers and with music mm-hmm. stations where people are sharing their music and like, like getting in, like sign on the list. Like, Oh, just go play your music over there. Everybody's drinking, fucking having a good time. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And like, even that it's not competing per se, but it's still a sweet thing that you know, it's not really happening in the music industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, again, I think me and you are breaking the the cycle. Like, we're going from that old way of thinking, mm-hmm. which was like, uh, you know, I'm not even trying to throw shade, so let me not say names. But the typical talk to an A&R, talk to a label, blah, blah, blah. Go it's old the school, steps, man. The pub deals and all that. Yeah, it's, it's like, I'm telling people, like, would you rather, here's the, the problem. We can talk about beat battles in a second. And I know Clifton, who um, runs the Battle of the Beat Makers. Mm-hmm. I know I got to call him up. We have long conversations. Mm-hmm. So, like, I would love to introduce you to him. And um, so, what was I going to say, though? Uh, wait, backtracking for a bit. Beat Makers? Beat Makers. Uh, I was getting to something. The paradigm, right? By, by the way, guys, for the record, this happens on podcasts all the time. Uh, what was I talking about? Okay, the paradigm shift. No, it's going to come back to me. There it goes, man. That was everybody needed that, and you just yeah, lost it. Yeah, it was something about the paradigm shit. The second we switch topics, you'll be like, "Oh, wait, I remember what we were talking about." Yeah, I'm gonna stop everything. And be like, "Ah, oh, I remember." Okay, but the paradigm shift. Let me just make comments on the paradigm shift. Oh, here's what I was gonna say. Okay, so people are chasing the Drake placement, for example. Yeah. It's like, okay, who's Drake chasing? Drake's chasing Nike. He's talking to Adidas. He's talking to whoever else. Why don't you talk directly to Adidas or directly to Sprite or whoever? Why are we chasing the middleman? Like, as producers, because I'm working with, uh, so, for example, a lot of people ask me, what are your placements? Like, why do you have any authority to tell me what to do, how to sell beats, and blah, blah, blah? I'm like, I worked with a billion-dollar company, which is worth way more than any artist you will ever work with, unless it's Jay-Z. Shout out to uh, P. Diddy and Jay-Z for making the bill status. But billion-dollar company, Razor. Top companies like ImageLine, Isotope. I just came from Boston um, with Isotope. Uh, Arturia, Sweetwater, all the top dogs. $300 million company, $600 million company. Like, those are my placements, and I'm getting direct 
conversations with these companies and direct deals with them. Why would I chase Drake? I'm just saying Drake. Yeah. For him to chase another co- like. Well, also, let me throw it out there a little bit. I think that, you know, we're talking about chasing other companies. I actually think that something a lot of people need to do is also look inward. Mm. Like, think about what your ideal situation is. Because a lot of people, at least in the electronic music space, especially chase touring, and they've never toured or even played a gig, and they mm. don't realize that it's not that fun. Mm. Like, the playing the show part's cool, but the, the tour life is hard. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, a lot of my, you know, friends, guys work for me, a lot of that, you know, do the tour stuff, mm-hmm. but it's not as lucrative as people think. And oh. it's very difficult. Like imagine like not getting sleep, not having any routine, like going city to city. A lot of people get mm-hmm. trapped into the partying cycle. You know what I'm saying? True. And, and I think a lot of people sometimes need to look inward and say, what does my perfect day look like? Mm-hmm. You know? And then that might not be being a Nike or even being getting placements for Drake. For a lot of people, that might mean making 73000 a year, mm-hmm. but being able to produce full time. Right. And just make awesome songs whenever they want to have a big fan base. And that's why I like something like YouTube. That's why I like getting you on the show. Cause I think yeah. that like, that's an ideal situation, you know, for people yeah. to build, you know, even like not even having even half of your success, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Right. Or, or quarter, but just being able to do music full time, I think is also kind of cool and more practical for a lot of people. It's so possible. Like once we broke that paradigm, and this goes back to the San Holo, San Holo, am I saying that right? Yeah. San okay. Holo. I wasn't too familiar with him before that interview. And uh, he was telling about the realities of touring and how it's kind of taking a toll. And I learned this from Joe Budden on the hot boxing uh, podcast also about how he, he missed out on his child growing up. Like, he didn't see his family. He, did, he There's sacrifices. You know, I think we get the glam side, but we don't see like the fulfillment side. And I think you're a person who's an enlightened entrepreneur. You're not just somebody who's chasing the, you know, like the Lamborghini lifestyle or the uh, Ty lopez type stuff mm-hmm. that people are chasing, like yeah, the, yeah. the thrill. But it's like you are really fulfilled in what you're doing. I can feel it. It's an authentic thing. Um, whereas other people and you're trying to share the light. So you're like, hey. You don't need that. Like, that's not where the light is. Sorry, I'm off the mic. You're like, that's not where fulfillment is. And I'm trying to teach that to people as well around me, like people I love. Uh But it's so hard for them to understand that this exists. Um, But that's an aside. Different way to think about your career, the music career. It's a lot, a lot different because a lot of people do. You're just chasing one thing versus like thinking like, what does my perfect situation look like? Mm -hmm. And then, and then I think a lot of people be happier. Like, dude, there's so many cool things. Like me and Drew, for example, we've set up like the ultimate thing, you know, cause like, yeah. okay, cool. We have this awesome business, but also like the day, to, like right now for everybody watching my work day is sitting out busy works beats and shooting the shit. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. is this really work? Like, <laughs> right. you know what I'm saying? We're just talking about production music industry. Like, like that's a cool reality for a lot of people. They could start a podcast and have mm-hmm. success. They can produce right. full time. And then guess what? Their job is to talk about music, mm-hmm. you know? And I think there's a thousand of these little things, you know what right. I'm saying? And you're and going back to the YouTube thing uh, when you said that they can make a living through that. It's like I'm telling people don't chase the Spotify right away or the uh, what are the other Distro Kid, Tune Cores, whatever. Mm-hmm. Start on YouTube because you have a lot more leverage. I t- always tell them don't just think of yourself as an artist or producer. Think of yourself as a content creator mm-hmm. because now okay you can always send that energy back to your product and the product can change. That's the best part. Yeah. And this is what you talk about branding. You're the brand and you get to, you know, delegate the traffic or whatever, you know, yeah. that and, may and be. content is at the heart of all strategy, regardless if you're an artist, you're a company, you're fucking, it doesn't matter. You own a restaurant, you know, you're, you're trying to get placements. Content, I think is at the heart of discovery right now. Mm-hmm. 
because whether you're on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, which TikTok I've been studying a lot of. That shit's crazy. Yeah. But all these platforms are are based around content and the discoveries around content. Mm-hmm. And I think that the cool thing about the music industry is a lot of people try to get their music promoted, but they need to get their content out there because the content is a gateway drug to the music. You see what I'm saying? Like if they right. taste your content, they see a cool video with you or or something, a tutorial, then they're like, then you release a, a, a song or something. They're like, oh, cool. I want to check that out. I know that guy. I know that right. girl. You know what I'm saying? Here's a different paradigm, I guess, to introduce to your audience. And I'll, before I get to that, let me get to the old thought that I forgot, which was you talked about rapid growth on YouTube. Yeah. So once we broke that mold, um, you see the KBZs rise up. You see the Simon Servitas rise up fast. You see the uh, Kyle Beats rise up. If we didn't break that ice first and like create that path, it wouldn't be so rapid of a growth for them. But growth is happening like on rapid levels. I mean, I follow new guys like every day, and they have like 10k in like a week or something like that. And they're growing fast. Yeah. Dude, I, I, uh, yeah, you're like the godfather that all those people follow, I think. Yeah, what does the godfather do? Does he do this? Or no? <laughs> What's the godfather pose? I don't know. I'm a lean back. Yeah, for those of you guys who don't know, like <laughs> all the new YouTubers and stuff, they all like inspired by Busy Works Beats here and definitely looked up to your channel and all the shit you're doing because you did so long, so much longer. Mm-hmm. All these new guys just got started. I mean, they were looking at your channel and, mm-hmm. you know, because nobody was really dominating like that. I think my ego will be like, yeah, I fathered all these kids and I, but, at the same time, I, I mean, you were one of the, the original guys, like crushing it, you know, FL Studio, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, we had a piece uh, of influence in their life, and that's beautiful. But, you know, what's the point of influence? It's to multiply, to get mm-hmm. to your potential. So I'm only a spark, you know, the flame carries on a different way. Um, I was going to get into something before I went into the YouTube thing, though. Do you remember what I was saying? No. Uh, somebody rewind the video. We're going to have a, go ahead and get a, a Busy Works Beats, forgot, forgot what he was talking <laughs> about, counter in the comments. <laughs> Drink every time Busy Works Beats forgets what he's talking about. Uh, yeah, shot game, <laughs> shot challenge or whatever. Jordan liked that one. Yeah. Darn, man, we were getting into something, and I was going to uh, follow your path there. It was darn. It's gonna come back. It's all good, bro. We'll, we'll just keep going. I got I got a huge slew of topics here next my to my fault. computer. Yeah, because uh, we gotta be scripted to it. Dude, degree. I wanna I wanna dive into production. So mm-hmm. we're but luckily we're both FL Studio users, so we can okay. talk about, about some different stuff uh, that I think would be really good. Okay. Um, so FL Studio, first off, versus Ableton. Versus Ableton. Okay. What do you wish? What's your thoughts? Because we're on we're on FL Squad, so <laughs> okay. I love okay. FL. I'm just gonna throw that out there. I love FL Studio, mm-hmm. and I know Ableton's beast. Like I've seen the workflow, I've seen Drew. A lot of people like work with stuff. I know it's good, but I also right. like FL because I feel like it's fast. Mm-hmm. You know, like like workflow wise. Yeah, and it, it's 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 comfortable. And uh, I will say, I guess it's like the grass is greener type of effect. Like all the FL users are like, wow, Ableton. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, time stretches the loop for you and like links it up to the tempo. And dude, you can't even stretch without FL taking three seconds every time you stretch a sample. Oh, let me. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm talking about? I'm mm-hmm. like, and Ableton. <laughs> it's just instant. I'm like, why do I have to wait five seconds every time I want to pitch mm-hmm. a sample? And or like, you know, and it's like five steps of stretching in FL. It takes yeah. a lot of work. But Ableton's like just drag and drop. And I've noticed that in Ableton, I've created like harder beats because I don't know as much. You know, of Ableton. So you do so simple, like, simpler stuff? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I don't know how to describe it, but, like, when you're new in something, I feel like you're the most creative. But then when you learn too much, you, like, start stifling that creation. And then you have to almost go backtrack back to simple, not knowing enough. Yeah. And so, and my guy, Diego Ave, who's a gr- multi-Grammy winning, multi-platinum plaque winning producer. Shout out, Diego Ave. 
Um, he was on F or excuse me, he was on Ableton and then switched over to FL and was like, yo, FL is the stuff, you know? But like, it's like, I think Ableton is the stuff. And people think I abandoned FL and all those. I didn't abandon FL. What's, uh, so what's some of your favorite, let's just say stock plugins in FL that you like, go to, use on every track, stuff like that? Go to, I think under, super underestimated is probably the best is um, Fruity Soft Clipper. Mm. So the technique is turn up your threshold knob. So put this on all your drums. If you want your drums to hit harder, here's how you do it. So in theory, what it does is instead of like, um, okay, so I'll be real short about this, but like a brick limiter, mm -hmm. if a sound goes up to it, it will flatten out. Yeah. But the soft clipper rounds the sound instead of making it super flat, it kind of rounds it off. So when you turn up your kick into the soft clipper, it will hit way stupid hard, like ridiculously hard. But it won't sound too like processed because you're saying it's rounded off or? Yeah. And it will like limit, it will also help you with gain staging and all those type of things. Uh-huh. I can't like let me give you the step by step just so it's easier. Yeah, so load yeah, up your ahead. kick in the channel rack. Turn up your channel volume for the kick. Uh, go to your kick, go to the wrench tool, turn up your volume multiplier, and then send your kick through a fruity soft clipper and turn up the threshold all the way and then pull your fader down. So basically you're getting the loudness without the DB being in the red. Mm -hmm. And it, your kick's gonna hit stupid hard, like ridiculously hard. Um, same with your snares. So a lot of people underestimate that technique alone. That's one stock plugin that's super underestimated. The next one uh, is Fruity Delay 3. Now, which version of FL are you on? I got different versions on different computers. I got okay. FL 20 on my laptop. And what's the one before that? It's 12? 12, yeah, because mm -hmm. I, I know it did that jump. Right. Um, I actually th I think I prefer 12. I think I, I use 12 on my main computer. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, okay. I think it's better. Okay, I was going to say in the uh, FL 20, they give you a plugin called Fruity Delay 3. And the trick is... I think I use Delay Bank. I think I use... Is that what it is? Fruity Delay Bank? That's the complicated one, yeah. Okay, I think With that's all the knobs I, and... I think that's the one I use. Mm -hmm. I did, because there's so many different variations. I forget, because it's like, you know... True. Reverb. We got four different Fruity Reverbs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fruity Reverb. One, two... So here's, here's the technique for uh, Fruity Delay 3, is turn your dry level all the way down. So we're not treating it like a delay anymore. So mm -hmm. turn your dry level all the way down, mm -hmm. turn your feedback time all the way down, and turn your time knob all the way down. And now you have all the effects within the Fruity Delay 3. So, for example, if you want the Travis Scott detune, like, wobbly effect, you turn up the time modulation knob, and you just crank that up, and you'll hear the pitch of your thing, like, start to wobble. And it won't sound like a delay. It will sound like a wobble effect. Or oh. they also have a saturator in there for, like, lo-fi. I think you were getting into, like, lo-fi talk. Yeah, dude, I, I make lo-fi all the fucking time. Yeah, you were playing lo-fi lo out. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I was working. I worked to lo-fi, man. That's why I like it. Right, and uh, there's a saturation knob on the delay as well, so you just crank your, uh, I think they call it, uh, what do they call it? I don't know, saturation, whatever it's called on there. Just turn that up. Mm -hmm. um, there's also a filter there. You can use low-pass, high-pass, band-pass filters. And lastly, you can use the bit rate reduction and sample rate reduction knobs to get that lo-fi um, effect as well. I heard downsampling is better than like EQing out the sound. Because mm -hmm. that's what Drew was saying, like, it, it kills the, like, so, for example, you know how if, like, you EQ out the lows or the highs or something, it's mm -hmm. still kind of, those frequencies are still there, even though you're cut, it's not completely gone, but he said mm -hmm. there's some downsampling techniques, I just nuke it, like, completely get rid of it. Yeah, and in FL, you can do that as well, and it's really cool to do, and it sounds super silky. Mm -hmm. So, um, basically, you, you record your audio into Edison. You load up Edison, you hit record, change it to on play. So when you hit the play button, it records and puts a time marker. That's important for the folks who get confused about Edison, right? So record on play. That's very important. Um, hit stop twice, hit the play button. It will start recording your 
uh, MIDI into audio form or audio into audio. And once it loops enough, hit stop. You'll see another marker pop up that like is the start, stop. Okay, so you double click on that so it only highlights, you know, the start and the stop point. And uh, you go in. Now, how do you downsample? You right click. I'm going off of memory here, so forgive me. Uh, you right click the sample mm -hmm. and then go into properties, I think it's called. And you change the sample rate from 44.1K uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to 16K. And then hit render or whatever it is, and it will render out more lo-fi-ish. Mm -hmm. And then oh. just send that to your playlist as an audio clip. Dude, Edison's beast. Mm -hmm. uh, Edison's are only like ace up our sleeve for like doing even stuff, stuff Ableton could do. You know what I'm saying? True. Because like Ableton, it's all in there. Like everything mm -hmm. you could do is just right there. But I feel like Edison's kind of like our little cheat code right. of and getting some of that stuff done. True. And so many little things. But that's my favorite thing. It's super underestimated. Um, just to answer your question. So those three tips, I think. So again, as a recap, Fruity Soft Clipper, underestimated to the highest degree for trap, hip-hop, mm -hmm. all that. Mm -hmm. um, second one was Fruity Delay 3. Turn your dry level all the way down. Turn your feedback time down and turn your time down and start messing with the other knobs. And the last one was um, the downsampling in Edison that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Super underrated stock stuff you can do for free. I think it's even in the demo, probably. Yeah, I think uh, it's funny. There's so many plug Like, everybody thinks they got to go get atmospheres and do shit. But, like, dude, there's so much with NFL or even mm -hmm. Ableton stock, you know what I'm saying, that that is incredible. Right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's, it's you know, not about how many tools you guys have about. If, whatever tools you do have, how do you use them? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's great to give people some tips on that. How do you feel about, uh, you know, Omnisphere's like 50,000 50, sounds or however many sounds they have in Omnisphere? I think it's... I love Omnisphere. So let me throw that out there. I love... Oh, so a couple couple things. Let me gripe real quick. One, <laughs> dude, I use Mac everything, but my desktop upstairs that I built is uh, mm. for my home studio. That's uh, Windows because, mm. you know, I use that phone there. I like it on there. But okay. the problem is Windows updated. And Windows, after it updated, decided to reset every single product key mm. in my FL. Right. So like Omnisphere gone, contact gone. all the shit is just gone, and I'm like, wow, like how right. could this thing do this? So let me just grab by that. But I love Omnisphere. I think it's amazing. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's necessary per se, but I personally like it because I have a lot of fun clicking around finding stuff. Okay. Um, for me, it's it's sometimes not about having that many crazy synths mm -hmm. as more as I want like some really like so good go to good sound libraries. So like for me, I have fun with their own shit. You know what I'm saying? Because like right. what Drew's doing in the studio right now, mm -hmm. like like for example, I will have more fun chopping up like a harp player playing some crazy sample because I do a lot of chopping right. inside like the the main like playlist maker in, in FL Studio. Okay. I'll slice the shit out of like a harp sample and make it into like my own melody. Right. I'll have more fun with that than I will like using a, a VST per se. You know what I'm saying? True. And I that's just my, my, my personal production style. So for me, you know, I, I don't need the Omnisphere type shits. Mm -hmm. I like I have fun with them, but I have more fun having a good sample section to chop up and warp and do all kinds of crazy shit. I agree. And would you agree with this is that when it's like, it's like, um, when stuff's curated for you, like mm -hmm. uh, 80s sounds, I'm just making up something, like 80s, uh, what's it called, synth wave. Uh -huh. If you had an 80s synth wave like library, you feel like you're in the 80s, you feel like you're creating synth wave, you don't feel like you're going through the Juno 106. Pre it, it's When it's more curated, I think we are more creative. That's just my opinion. Dude, I gotta, I gotta show you Viper. Bro, this yeah. thing's unlike we we've, we've invested so much fucking money into this thing, mm -hmm. but like so like when you so this guy John that we've been bringing in that's been absolutely crazy. He's gonna, I think uh, I might introduce you. He's gonna, if he's at the event okay. tonight, mm -hmm. uh, the harp player is gonna be all that kind of stuff. But when you get somebody right. like that, 
and you say, hey, listen to these Kanye records. Hey, listen mm-hmm. to this Travis Scott album. And yeah. they hear it, and they're like, okay, cool. They can make 500 melodies just like that that are original, completely different. In the headphones, boom, this guy's just jamming out, going in. Mm. And for somebody who's at that caliber, who's doing, like, compositions and, and you know, more just that musical side, not even mm. getting into that production side, but it's crazy right. because those guys come in and the types of shit they lay down for like a, a new pack of work we're working on is way mm. good. And it's hella, f- it's, it's a I different level of thing, man. It's crazy. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it seemed like I cut you off. No, 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 no. But I'm just, it's, it's just been crazy to see like I drew and Andre are chilling over there now. They, well, he wanted to come over and say, hi, what's up? Oh, yeah. He's just been busy with it, man. But if you see that process that we've been doing recently, it's a, it's a different mm. thing. You know what I'm saying? I love that. It's, it's more like compositions. Or, or almost like these sound libraries are more like, hey, here's, you might not have access to all these people, but you have compositions and you get to go ahead and play with them. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm in love with audio again. Like, I mean, I know you're talking about FL, but like Ableton made me fall in love with just loops again or like fall in love with just audio instead of MIDI, audio. Yeah. They just, I don't know. I, I, don't know. I love messing. Yeah. No, I think audio is like the best, like chopping up and sampling stuff. It's so mm-hmm. good. What's, so sure. what's your thoughts on uh, using samples and loops? Because I know it's weird because I realized coming from the EDM world, mm-hmm. people think presets are, I mean, people think presets, loops are the fucking devil. I go to hip hop <laughs> and then I start, we start getting into hip hop, <laughs> right? And yeah. they love it. They're like, melodies, fuck yeah. You know, and I'm like, right. dude, use everything at your fucking fingertips that you want to use and produce how you want to produce. But what's your thoughts on mm-hmm. that whole debacle? I'll say two different things. One is going back to the real player, real instrumentalist type mm-hmm. of approach. I was in Isotope's headquarters in Boston, Cambridge, uh, Massachusetts, uh-huh. and next to Harvard, next to MIT. And I'm in the, one of their studios, and the guy's just noodling around on guitar. His name was Sam. Shout out to Sam behind the cam. And uh, Peter, his uh, other buddy. And mm-hmm. they were just, I wish I had, oh, I do have my phone. Can I play like clips or is that what? Yeah, if you in. We're not going to be able to get it into the show, but we can. Yeah, never mind. That's why. Okay. It'll take too much time to find it. But, um, they were just messing around and kind of improving off each other. And it was a spirit there. There was like a, a being there. I mean, it sounds kind of esoteric, but you can sense the instant harmony between the two people. Yeah. I mean, and, some people call it like a vibe or like a, you know, just like a flow, you know? Yeah. And that's something that even, I feel like even if you type in the notes, you just don't get that same thing. So that's why you need somebody who can play acoustically speaking mm-hmm. or like play an instrument. They add that human spirit element. Now on the other side, which is just loops created via midis and using midis and all these things, I think it makes you, it forces you to step outside that box. Like for example, I use this plugin called Scalar. Have you heard of it before? Mm-hmm. Well, on Scalar, basically you can choose different scales and really get outside your, your comfort zone, which we're talking like low Korean mode double harmonic uh, like double harmonic minor whatever it was mm-hmm. just weird scales and weird keys and when you start in those keys and scales it forces you to think different because we're so what's it called the path the uh, path of least resistance yeah right we're all programmed to go the past the path of least resistance and we avoid what gives us the creative boost which is getting that struggle like when you go to the gym Right. If you want to grow, I don't know how buff you're getting behind, you know, under that yeah, shirt. I used to used to be more buff. Not not recently. <laughs> okay. Look, he's, he's ca- calling me out on the podcast. My own <laughs> podcast coming in here. He's like, he first thing he says when he walks into my house is, "I did I just did forty push-ups." Yeah, I'm like, yeah. All right, Had nice to, to meet you tone. too. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, nice to meet you too. That hug was kind of you know tight. No, but, uh, yeah, I just kind of sometimes I feel a little loose. I gotta like get my muscles up. But yeah, when yeah, you go bro. to the gym, if we just did the same thing over and over and over again. You're tearing your muscle, but you're not tearing it enough to leave more room to grow. 
So you have to like mentally tear your muscle more, which is instead of lifting the 25 pound dumbbells, lift the 40 pound dumbbells. Now you're really shredding, literally shredding the fiber. And if you go home and fulfill yourself with inspiration or like the nutrients, like protein or like in mm -hmm. the musical talk, inspiration, motivation, whatever you want to call it, emotional bank account, fill yourself up with that. And now you can get to the next level of, you know, getting to 80 pound curls. So I think we're neglecting uh, that emotional side. I think that's when producers actually get stuck in making the same type of song over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes producers need to be okay with like trying out a new genre or style, but then being willing to take three steps back and suck at that new genre or style. But then, you know, two months down the road, you've kind of mastered this new lane mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you got the old lane plus this new lane you're combining. Mm -hmm. But I know so many producers get stuck making the same beat, the same song. I mean, I've done in the past where I'm like, damn, I've been making the same style. Mm -hmm. I need to like get out, you know, do some weirder shit. What's a style that you've gotten to recently? Uh, so for me, I'm all about the chill genres, right? So like super chill, like petite, I don't know if you heard petite biscuit or old flume style or like super chill, like shlomo, lo-fi. Okay. Like everything's like super chill laid out. But what I do is I do a lot of really chill music mm -hmm. and I chop up vocal samples. I'll chop up guitar samples and stuff and lay on like some big vibey chords. Okay. But then the difference between my music and traditional lo-fi is I throw a fat sub on it. So it's still kind of like, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? It still kind of rocks, mm -hmm. but that's kind of my thing. I love that. Um, and recently, uh, you know, I was getting at the thrill of like studying something new. Like mm -hmm. when you accomplish the new sound, you're like, wow, I hit it. Like I did. I actually accomplished what I aimed to do. Mm -hmm. You ever have that thrill recently? Yeah. Well, I actually recently. So I've been forced to step out of this chill music bubble and just play around more with hip hop just because I've been inspired by how much our company's doing in the hip hop space. Right. Mm -hmm. And I look at it and I just see in dream make stuff. I'm like, OK, cool. I like this. You know, I like right. I like the flow of making beats. It's a little different than mm -hmm. kind of my traditional things. But then what I did was, you know, I started making a lot of beats just for fun, you know, after mm -hmm. work stuff. And right. then I, I said, you know what, what happens if I went back to making that chill stuff, but I started doing some of this new, you know, new little flair from the beat world. And then, yeah. so then I began to do some really interesting things that, that added a lot of energy to that weird chill music, which mm -hmm. I'm like appreciative now, you know, now they're kind of combining in with a right. different hip hop stuff, you know? For sure. And I like recently I tried to get into like the pop kind of approach and shout out to Austin Hull from uh, Make Pop Music on YouTube. Mm -hmm. He's a super great channel, by the way. Very, like super awesome talent. And he was going through how to make like Ariana Grande songs, uh, Taylor Swift, but it inspired me so much that I'm like, you know, trying my hand at the pop approach and I wasn't nailing it, but like, I know at one day I'm going to have that moment where like, oh, this sounds exactly like a Travis Scott featuring Ariana Grande. It's just a different way of thinking. And we have to step outside of our rhythm. Bro, you gotta, you gotta get Viper. Cause like, oh, dude, yeah. those, dude, you gotta listen to stuff. Jake knows the stuff Drew's been working on with like the guitar, the Russian guitarist oh, that yeah. came in. Oh, it's amazing. It's, dude, it, cause I'm telling you, man, right mm. out of the box, it's because they're good and the recording setup's good. It makes the producing life so much easier. You mm. know what I'm saying? Dope. Yeah. I link me up. I mean, I don't know. You know, I'm out of the loop. I was traveling so much. Yeah. Didn't pull out my laptop. Dude, yeah, you're going all over the place, man. Mm. Um, let's see here. So a couple things. Hey, first off, Jordan, what's the what's the time looking like on the podcast? Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, I want to actually go into a couple things about, um, well, first off, hey, can we take a quick break? I got to piss like a motherfucker. <laughs> no. All right, sweet. Yo, guys, we just took a quick bathroom intermission before we go into this last segment here. Um, yeah, so, dude, I wanted to end it off with some Q&A that I think is like kind of like the practical Q&A. Like, let's get into, okay. like, uh, talking about different stuff that we think would be fire for the production community. 
and okay. all that good stuff. Okay. So starting off, uh, all my beginner producers out there are trying to figure out how to get to the level of production like a, a guy like you or is at. Mm-hmm. What do you recommend for guys who've just gotten started, okay. maybe just downloaded their doll? Uh, and to the point of like kind of being pretty proficient with it, like you being familiar with all the different things. Like, what's your recommendation mm-hmm. for beginners? Um, for beginners, you said they use FL or no? Mm-hmm. So it there's could be, a, it could be Ableton tips too, but like you know, starting off with FL, I think is good for you. You know, no, uh, okay, it's two answers. I can say go to my channel and look up FL beginner, or do you want like a how to go through? Just FL? somebody getting started. What's your tips? You know, I would say first it starts with sounds. So like. We're right in the place for sounds, right? It really, because a lot of amateurs that I work with or amateur people or amateur sound comes from the sounds they're using. It's not that they, they're bad at it. It's because they're using a kick from 1974 that doesn't have any punch to it. It's You can't even hear it on mobile. Like, that's the problem. So start with the right sounds first. Second, I would say music theory. Like, there's chord codes that I teach, for example. Mm-hmm. I'll literally show everybody how to make a minor chord right now. So literally close your eyes. I wish I had a keyboard right here. We have a MIDI keyboard. Close your eyes and pick a key. So let's say we landed on, let's say F, okay? Mm -hmm. So that's considered a zero point. All you have to do is learn as long as you can count, okay? You can do this. So we're starting at F and you count up each note on the keyboard one by one until you finish out the code. So F is zero and the chord code for a minor is zero, three, seven, for example. So F would be zero, you count up one, two, three. Now you're on what, what is that, A flat? Yeah, F major is F-A-C, so it'd be A-flat. And then you go, or G-sharp, and then you go four, five, six, seven, and then you land on C. So it should be F, G-sharp, and then C. If I'm doing my math right in my head. So Mm -hmm. zero, three, seven. You play those three notes together, you instantly have a minor chord. That bypasses four years of university and all the wasted time trying to understand all this other stuff. So now you have the perfect sounds, and you got the instant music theory. What's holding you back? Nothing. And it's just practicing the drum patterns and arrangement at that point. Yeah, and it's just like nailing down like... Dude, I I think the thing... So two things here. First, sample selection. Like, mm-hmm. holy shit, this is huge. That's why I encourage people, like, you know, not to toot our own horn, but I'm like, just use our shit. Like, dude, right. if you're using the stock FL, like, you know, snare and kick samples, they're not going to sound right, you know what I'm saying? For sure. And it's also sample selection for different genres. So, like, mm-hmm. when I'm making lo-fi, my sample selection is way different than making, like, a hip-hop beat versus making, like, if you're trying to make a dubstep, dubstep track... Like yeah. the, the, the snares are so overprocessed on dubstep and the kicks and everything. True. If you use mm-hmm. that shit on hip hop, it's gonna sound wonk. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're like, that is not a. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> doom. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, that shit's not gonna come off right. So I think key takeaway is listen to your genre a fuck ton. Mm hmm. Uh, for sure, because that'll help you with that sample selection. Second thing I think right. is what you're saying about music theory. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you're completely right. Like, learning the basic shit um, goes a long way. Like, for me, I still get on the keyboard, and if I transpose something, let's say, like, you know, like, on the pitch knob, like, negative 500, like, semitones or whatever, like, Mm -hmm. I literally go on the keyboard sometimes, and I count. I'm like, all right, I'm at A minor. I need to get, or I need to get to C. I literally go, like, one, two, three. Okay, I need to transpose, like, three. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then, uh, um, and then I even know, like, I do, like, super basic shit with, like, like, trying to figure out the keys, you know? So, like, if I'm in F minor, I'll count, like, one, two, half. Okay. Here's all my notes I use. And I just go through the whole formula. And I'm like, okay. sweet, there's F minor. Exactly. I don't even know it like the back of my head like these people. I just know the basic shit for counting it out, you know? Right. And a lot, again, I talk to beginners all the way to super advanced music theory people. The power of the chord codes, for example, is it's based in pure number. Pure. In, it's called integer notation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's based in semitone values. Like when you're doing sound, uh, when Drew's doing sound, whoever does sound design, I don't know. Yeah. If they wanted to make a, um, a club fifth bass pluck, 
you have to have a core tone, which is like the unison or zero. Mm -hmm. And then you have a plus seven, which is the perfect fifth mm -hmm. or a minus five. And that's what creates that sound. So it's based in pure number. And once we understand the numbers behind music and understand what harmony actually is, mm -hmm. it's the absolute science. You can't even debate if it's real or not. Because a lot of people think, oh, you can't teach people. Uh, you know, zero three seven and call it music theory. It's like it is what it like. Okay, I'll keep my mouth shut because I talk too much. But I want all the music theory snobs in the world and all the high level people to really define what is a chord without a scale. What is a chord without a scale? Like without saying, okay, it's the first, third, and fifth of a minor scale. What's a chord? And they can never answer that because they don't even know what a chord actually is. And it is the chord code. Also. A lot of newbies, you guys' shit is out of key. I'm just gonna throw that out. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> the King of the King of Beats contest is going on, and like straight up, like 808s, it's out of key. Like that that will kill your entry so fucking quick. You know, just okay. the shit being all out of key. I'm like, dude, it just doesn't sound right. Like, mm -hmm. get, like the reason knowing some basic music theory is good. Just get your shit in key. <laughs> and I know I'm kind of going on and on and on, but tuning. It, you might be playing the right notes. It's not that they're like in the wrong like major or minor scale. It's the problem is they're not tuning. The 808 to like, okay, I want you guys to study 440 hertz versus 432 hertz versus 450 hertz. What does that mean? I can play the same note. Like if I pick up a random guitar today, it's going to be a little bit out of tune. Mm -hmm. You tune your guitar first. When you go to sit on a random piano, it's either perfectly at perfect pitch or it's a little like a, a saloon piano. It's like, eh, you know, kind of detuned mm -hmm. or whatever. So the first step is tuning stuff first. And you can play the same exact note, but it can be out of tune. Doesn't mean you're playing the wrong note. Yeah. It just means it's when you when you press C, but the but the the eight hundred eight sample you dragged in was G sharp. It's mm -hmm. not you're hitting you're not hitting C. You're hitting G sharp. Mm -hmm. and I think people don't always know that. And then NFL right. Studio, one of the problems is if you pitch it down or you like you hit a different note, you got to change your like little stretch settings. Mm -hmm. You know your warp settings because all of a sudden you might be slowing down the sample to the point towards unplayable. So true. There's so much. There's so, so much many nuance. Shit. But yeah. But okay. Cool. No, I think that's uh good. Um, Trying to think here. Okay, so so I want to say somebody's trying to build a brand online, put out content tutorials like you. What's the what's the first? Let's say somebody watches this episode. They're like, damn, you know, busy works beats. He's a fucking beast. I, I kind of want to build a YouTube channel, kind of like him. What what mm -hmm. are they doing in the next thirty days to build that channel? Like, what's their regimen look like? Good question. Uh, there's two parts to this. So first, you have to differentiate between a personal brand and your business brand. I think we mix that up too much. Like. My personal brand is Game from BusyWorksBeats.com, but BusyWorksBeats is the business brand. But mm -hmm. people know me when they see me on the streets or like TSA identified me. My hotel clerk knew who I was in Boston. He's just like, yo, are you busy? It, it threw me off a little bit because he knew what room I stayed in. So uh, uh, what was I going to say? So you have to differentiate early because we can talk about selling businesses and all this. But when it comes time to build a team and like you can't be the face of everything, mm -hmm. you can't identifies the business brand because now your face is doing something else mm -hmm. so that's the first step is just identifying the two sides of branding uh the second approach now let me hear the question one more time so my brain can really Th next 30 days someone will start a youtube next channel days. Okay. just like you what, what are they doing and the next i call it the leech method now it sounds sketchy and it sounds like slimy or whatever but here's celebrities are knighted so when you understand what like branding is it's it's status it's social status Mm -hmm. And the way people get social status in the old days was like you had to be knighted. You had to kneel down. Somebody would have a sword. He would put it on your shoulder and say, you are now the, the lord of whatever land, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a passing of 
permission from one person to another to say, I grant all my trust onto this person. And now all the trust and goodwill you've built up with your people is now entitled to that person through lordship or lording, they call it. Um, so you have to do the same thing with celebrity. So the reason Nicki Minaj, the reason Drake was so popping, the reason um, uh, Young Thug even, I think, yeah, he was under Birdman, is because Lil Wayne was the superstar Okay, and then he knighted Drake and knighted Nicki Minaj and knighted Young Thug. Put him on. And put him on. And you have to come from somebody who's already on. Like, you have to leech, I call it. So this is a good leech, not a bad leech, by the way. Because leeches heal, right? People put their feet in water and they have leeches like well, I ain't never put no leeches on my <laughs> feet. I, I'm not the right guy to tell you. Okay. Well, you need to find somebody influential and find what they need. I think the mistake people make is that they're like, what does your audience need? Like, I, I don't need you to give stuff to my audience. I need you to give stuff to me. I'm a person who's in need, mm -hmm. and I have specific needs that aren't always the typical thing. Like, hey, I can make beats for you. No, I make beats. You know, I have people who can make beats. That's not a need of me. I need somebody who can help me with graphics, for example. I'm just making up something. Mm -hmm. So you have to serve that influencer directly, super customized, super serving that person. And then they will give you access to their... So, so you're saying one of the first things you should do is go reach out to people and try to just help out, get in with somebody big. If you want to grow massively, the effect of, of social status is so powerful. This is what drives all females to like make stupid decisions when it comes to dating. Because I, I mentor a lot of females mm -hmm. and they, at the end of the day, they care about social status. They care about the athlete who gets seen by millions of people. They care about the millionaire who always has people over his house because they, they are chasing a social ladder. So I know I'm kind of getting esoteric here, but find somebody who's already big, figure out a way to serve them, like bug them to death, find a way. And then once you crack that code of being associated with them, then people are more willing to give you that trust. So that's the game. Like just focus on that people. Like it'll getting, save getting, you so much time. Getting in with the right circles. I think it's a biblical principle. Like, um, um, you know, I think, you know, God in the Bible is called the king of kings. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that means he's talking to the best of the best because they talk to everybody else. So you want your circle to be people who, like, if I'm talking to Stephen, for example, I'm really talking to a million people right now or however many people your audience is. I just made up a number. Mm -hmm. Okay. If I'm talking to JFK, you got an audience? I don't know. Unless you're under the same brand, so that is not fair. But if I'm talking to Curtis King, I'm not just talking to one person. I'm talking to however many thousands. So mm. that's how you have to start thinking if you want to multiply super fast. And it's called Quantum Leap um, Advantage by Dan Pena if people want to study more. But you have to understand if you want top levels of influence, you have to leverage. And leveraging is just like, okay, it's, I know I'm talking a lot, but this is the perfect example. I'll wrap it up here, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's like a bank. When you go to a bank, the bank has the option. Of, when you put a dollar in a bank, they can loan out $9, right, for every dollar you put in? Uh-huh. So when you go to a bank, you're taking a loan. So it's the same exact thing, but it's social currency. So if I go to you and you're loaning me the trust or whatever from your audience, that's something I didn't have to begin with. And that's, I can leverage that to then make, you know, build my mm -hmm. own trust. So you're taking the bank's money and you're multiplying it. Same thing. You're taking somebody else's trust in the market. You're multiplying it to create your own. Just think of it that way. And it this, makes a lot more sense. This podcast was designed to foster more relationships on the back end. Mm -hmm. By offering whatever social equity we have on the front end, you I see what I'm it. saying? So I like, I get, I've had enormous and more amounts of relationships just from, ha just from installing a table, 
some likes, <laughs> yeah. couple you know lights, couple, couple things, right? Building you know building uh, posting stuff on Instagram, obviously a little bit of social equity there. Mm-hmm. So is m- making people like yourself and a bunch of other artists and different people in the industry come out mm-hmm. just to get on the show. But the one of the best things is, is like sweet. I'm like dude, I'll post all about you know busy work speed to whoever the fuck and get the promo. Mm-hmm. But one of the best things that comes out of it is we get to interact and now become friends. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. Which is kind of interesting. What you just talked about, that's like, oh, man, I'm like, dude, that's my podcast, you know? Yeah. Indeed. And along with the businessy side of stuff, which is, okay, you get to now multiply this times my audience. It's basically like acquiring new land, for example. Like m and I don't know if you study m and like mergers and acquisitions or whatever. Um, no, not really too much. Well, like record deals are basically like m and uh-huh. uh, Like they're signing people because they're trying to grow. Anyway, the point is. I'm getting distracted by JFK taking photos over here. I'm sorry, Jay. I'm, you should I'm take not... a, Jay, you should take them with your phone so it doesn't make that click. No, I, I, this is, I'm trying to smile, but like talk to him. No, um, don't, worry anyway. about, don't worry about him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that, like, even when we were on the back, in the back, out back, I should say, um, the number one thing I was offering to you is an introduction to somebody else. Uh-huh. And that's like the value of when you get to a certain level, the next value is just being that catalyst to build faster relationships. And so things can grow faster. Like, things can come to fruition a lot faster if you know the exact guy to talk to for that solution. So that's what I'm starting to yeah, offer Yeah, I'm so now. excited. I'm so excited yeah. for our event tonight because, dude, people right. are going to swamp. Dude, you're going to get swamped, bro. Oh, dude, I'm going to make sure I got deodorant on, make sure I got my... Dude, people are going to be going up like, yo, busy! You know what Hopefully. I'm saying? All over the place. It's going to be lit, dude. And we got awesome. a uh, panel. I'm not trying to go off topic, but you're talking about mm-hmm. introductions because I'm like, oh, I want to introduce you to Trizzy, fucking mm-hmm. Jay Black, you know, the people we know. Sick, man. Um, but it's going to be sweet because it's going to be it's gonna be chaos, dude. We, got, we mm-hmm. sold... I think we're at about 350 producers coming out because also A3C nice. weekend, you know what I'm wow. saying? So a lot of people coming through. I also pretty mm-hmm. much, uh, events is cool too, because I let everybody have a guest list. I'm like, dude, you know, you mm-hmm. want to, you know, if I invite somebody out, I'm like, dude, bring whoever you want, man. Right. Have a good time. But it's, it's going to be sick, dude. And I know how hard it is to throw events. So the fact that you can, I like... get scared. I get scared. Every event, I'm like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> let's call it, let's call it the last thing. I'm like, let's call it off guys. They're like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Uh, that's for the other side of, of things, but um, yeah, I know the struggles. Yeah, that's awesome. Dope, uh, dude. I got some other good questions. I think what what are some networking moves? Because I think so many producers shoot themselves in the foot by saying stupid ass shit when you send a DM, when you send mm-hmm. an email, like just not saying the right set of words that puts you at a good spotlight. Because it's not mm-hmm. about. By the way, guys, everybody listening. You don't have to have millions of followers and all that kind of shit to, to get in with people. You right. got to say the right set of words. Because if you're saying, check out my sound, I'm awesome, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. But if you can really do your research and, and direct that right message, you can actually get in there with the right people. Mm-hmm. But what I want to ask you is because you built such a great, strong network, what are Thanks. some networking things that you see producers do that are kind of shooting themselves in the foot? Mm-hmm. I would say we have to change the paradigm of what networking means. People, because I go to business conferences all the time. I just went to the Growth Summit with Dean Graziosi and mm-hmm. Brendan Bouchard out in Phoenix, mm-hmm. and they think people think handing out business cards is like networking. That's not what networking is. Like, let's define networking. Net meaning total work. So that means you're gathering a bunch of people to work towards a common goal. And the way you have to think of networking is like how lawyers think of it. When Lawyers get a lot of clients and they can't particularly take a client because of time or whatever. They'll refer it to another lawyer and they'll get a percentage of that transaction. So maybe 30% for referring it to the next lawyer. That's networking. Now you're earning 30% of something you never had to do to begin with. Mm -hmm. You're just directing that traffic, so to speak. And networking is being finding all the components you need for your goal. So you have to find out what's your common goal and then what components or what assets, styles of assets do you need to get you to that goal. So for example, let's say you have a sound designer 
mm-hmm. and you have a graphics person and you have a super great singer and you have, uh, you know, marketing people, blah, blah, blah. Those are all the cogs to the machine. Okay. And then you team up as like a Megatron or like a, who's the uh, Transformer guy? Optimus Prime? Yeah, Optimus Prime. Yeah, you, you team up as like an Avengers squad or whatever, and then you create that end goal. And then when you do that, it makes it even better because now they're not all, the incentive is not always money. You can incentivize the end result. You know, like this is how you, for example, building your dream team. If you want lawyers and accountants and, uh, you know, financial people on your team, you, you, okay, lawyers cost a lot. I'm not sure if you've ever had a bad experience with lawyers, but like uh, I, I'm very aware. <laughs> their number one thing is dragging stuff out to make it like a, a billion dollars, basically. So what you do is it's called success fees. You say, I'll pay you if the transaction is successful and I'll pay you double your fee that you charge up front. So instead of paying you 20,000 as a lawyer, I'll pay you 40,000 if the transaction goes through and the big time lawyers accept those type of deals. So that's called equity exchange. Mm-hmm instead of like a monetary exchange. Mm-hmm. So your network has to be, think components, and then think how can all these components gather to create one common result, like a big product together. Mm. And I'll get into the, I know I'm going on and on and on and on, you're probably like, dude, shut up. I don't know, it's good, I like but it. Then, I think people need to hear this stuff, honestly. Let's take it back to physics, what is work? What is work? Work is force times distance, okay? And what is, uh, am I saying that right? Probably saying that wrong. I always mix these up. Power is work over time. Yeah. And work is force time, dis- force times distance. So force is you manually don't trying to do it yourself over uh-huh. a certain distance. Great. That's work. But what happens? How do you increase W in that case? If W equals F times D, you either have to, let me look. That has to be right. Somebody can, somebody in here can, check if no, work dude, equals no, force time distance. Bro, this is a somatic show. You're the guest. No one's going to call you out. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> I, Cause I think P equals W over T. That makes sense. Okay. So to increase your power, like your godfatherness status or your branding or whatever it may be, how do you increase P? You either have to lower the amount of time it takes to get to the goal or you increase the amount of work, which is your work force. Now, how do you get a greater force? You need more people to add their own force. It's called force multiplier. Are you familiar with Jay Abraham? Yeah, uh, dude, I love Jay Abraham. I recently discovered him off a podcast for The Wolf on Wall Street, mm-hmm. and I really like his principles, about his business principles and stuff. I think they're fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He talks about force multiplier all the time, and he talks about how, like, when you're doing military strikes against the capital, you don't just send the uh, artillery guys with the, the machine guns. You send the bombs. You send the drones. You send the uh, soldiers on the ground. You send the Navy mm-hmm. because... You want different angles and all those forces, the F's in that case, W equals F times D, you're increasing F by bringing in multiple angles or multiple people to add that force so that it multiplies F, which in turn increases W with the same amount of distance. Because if distance doesn't change... So do you use this philosophy when it comes to networking? Like how you think about building your network? Yeah. So each person would be F in this case. So I can only max out at 100% of me, which Mm -hmm. is whatever that is. Now, I can increase the work, the net work, by bringing in more Fs, so to speak, more forces. So, so you build relationships with these different types of forces, and then it sounds like just how a lawyer, because I'm trying to bring it back home for people, just how a lawyer would dish out something for 30%, you might say like, oh, I need, hey, Steven, I need to introduce you to this guy, because I think you guys would be a great fit. So you're built stronger just by networking with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And the greatest part is I can be 100% of myself, and just having 30% of you still increases that W. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not a hundred percent of you, that's what, that's the philosophy of networking. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the bringing value to the network. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and be that you, okay, here's another thing I just remembered. When people say Steven, what do you think they think of in their brain? Uh, Steven, like Steven Simatics, or Steven, just like the dude, the random name? <laughs> no, when it was Steven like from Simatics. Okay. What, what two words come to mind when people think of you? Probably like co founder and, you know, of Simatics, mm-hmm. uh, maybe producer, those two things. Okay. Uh, yeah, business person and producer, same time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so business person and producer. So yeah. now when they say, okay, I have a problem. I need a business person. Their brain goes, calculates, mm-hmm. and you pull up as that tree of neurons. You're the first one in that tree of neurons, and you are the first thought. So when you come first to mind, so yeah. to speak. And that's what Grant Cardone means, be first, not last. Because the brain works on associations. Like if I say a camera, if I say video camera, what do you think? What are the... T- what? A Canon. Canon? Yeah. And what, what about another one? Black magic, that one right there. <laughs> yeah, it's like you can only think of like two main things, and then you have to really try to get to that third, fourth, fifth, whatever thing. So, what matters is being first in somebody's mind. You have to be that number one of that category in somebody's network. So, you have to be that number one music business guy. And I think you are very high level with your thinking. So, you would be in that spot in my brain. If yeah. I need, you know, on this side of the world, music business, I need an advisor, I need a counsel, I'm hitting up Steven, period. Yeah. Okay. So, if I think, motivation or in the music space. I think Curtis King, he's the number one guy in that. So everybody has to be the number one of their specific neural uh, association. Hmm. So that's like, that's the biological, that's the physics, that's the nature way of thinking about what a network actually is. Yeah. No, I like that, man. I Mm -hmm. think that's, that's an interesting way to think about it. It's really just about bringing value and thinking about your network strategically. You know, mm-hmm. uh, is there any, uh, is there any tools specifically related to like the, the, the message you send people? So let's say you're trying to connect to somebody via email, you know what I'm saying? Is there anything mm-hmm. there that you think would be good as a tool for the viewers? Yeah. Yeah. So like, let's say you're sending an email, they want to connect with you right now. They're emailing you. What, okay. what, what would you suggest to them? Oh, like how to get, I'm not sure of the goal is to contact me directly. Yeah. Like somebody's okay. on the show, and, <laughs> but like, I think the principles, you know what I'm saying? Of what they say in that email are kind of important. Oh, okay, I see what you mean. Okay, so the first thing is that a person like me has a lot of filters. So there's only way you can directly contact me is if you know me like the, or know somebody who's really, really close to me. So that means you have to go through gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. And the system for my specific business is they'll email like info at busyworksbeats.com or whatever at busyworksbeats.com. And it has to have a specific subject line. And then my team puts that su- those subject line emails aside in my pending folder. And we use that as like a marker to identify potential opportunities, potential business partners. Now, the problem is sometimes we have to focus on ourselves and build our own business up. And we're like, I don't have time to be doing deals with Isotope, Arturia, Sweetwater and all this. I have to focus on my own business. Yeah. So I'll keep those emails for like three months sometimes and just not even look at them. Uh So I think once you understand how to be sorted by somebody's gatekeeper, the other way of doing that, this sounds so basic, but it's literally comments. On like Instagram. Oh, dude! Like it sounds so basic. That's my number one networking strategy right now. I drop a comment <laughs> and then I drop a DM at the same time. Comment DM. I think recently, right. even again, that's probably the way I got him. You here? We sent a thousand yeah. emails and I think I, we started commenting and DMing on your shit. Mm-hmm. Like and now you're here. Yeah, and the comment worked because it was like you sincerely studied under Frank Kern. Oh, that's awesome. what it was. I that now that I think about it, it was that Frank Kern picture. I was like, oh, right. I was like, yo, dude, that's fucking awesome. You know, mm-hmm. instantly clicked for me. I was like, yep, let me mm-hmm. drop a comment. And I told you how your podcast helped me, like identify yourself and, and all the great things about you and the timing of the the dm like you said matters because dms go to that filtered uh portion on instagram mm-hmm. i don't i'm lazy so like i have a team of people who check all the messages so uh-huh. i don't look at the filter thing all the time so people who are trying to dm me 
Like it doesn't work because it goes to something that I never see or rarely see. Yeah. So the timing of the comment with an immediate DM was smart because now I see, you know. I do that. And guess what? If I see that I haven't gotten a response, I unsend the DM and I, I do it again next week. So, okay. And, and specifically, people are obsessed with, yeah, people are obsessed with their posts. Uh, specifically, within the first 30 minutes of posting, they spam the refresh on their comments, mm-hmm. right? So within the first 30 minutes are crucial to drop a comment. You know what I'm saying? And and if I drop a comment, and this is why I need my fucking check mark Instagram, like give my Instagram check, yeah. you know, but I drop my comment, I, you know, usually show love, always show love, you know, mm-hmm. and then I usually shoot, shoot them a DM and then, cause what they do is they see, oh, Steven Cymatics or whoever it might be, mm-hmm. they click it, they go to my profile and then they, they, if they click the, the message button, they'll see the message in there and they're like, mm-hmm. oh shit, I got DM'd and fucking, I swear, man, so many connections just through DMs and that worked. And also like... I think the reason people need to build their Instagram accounts up and stuff is that the new rules on Instagram are is that essentially the request folder that you're talking about mm-hmm. is now filtered. I don't know if you have this newer version of Instagram, but it's okay. now filtered by top request and, and all request. All mm-hmm. request is, is time-based, so whoever messages gets on top of the list. Yeah. But top request is by followers. So mm-hmm. I've realized that if you have at least 10,000, you don't have to have 200 and something thousand like we have. We don't have to have you know, a million, whatever, if you have mm-hmm. at least 10,000, you are going to be probably top three to five spots Smart. and your, your, your DMs all of a sudden get really strong. So if people religiously get to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the th- it's not that hard to get there. Everybody can do it. Who's listening. If they get to that point, their DM and outreach strategy all of a sudden gets multiplied because now you're all, almost guaranteed on top and then mm-hmm. just comment DM. If your account looks cool, people usually respond. I love you know? that. Super, it, super easy. That's, I love that tactical, but it's also a mindset thing. And because you got to realize, like, people who are top players, if they're doing the highest value thing, the highest value thing is not having a mundane conversation with a random person. Like, I hate when, sometimes when I go to public places and people know me, and then they're, like, just talking and talking and talking. It's so draining. It, it's, I mean. You're dead at this event, bro. You're no, dead. No, the event would be cool, but, like, yeah. I'm talking about, like, if I You're going to have a line it. to talk to you. Like, there's going to be a line of producers. You just need a camera guy. You need a camera guy to record <laughs> those pieces because I'm going to get okay. 300 micro pieces. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Because Jake's following me around with the camera the whole time. I'll do selfies. I'll figure it out. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, I'm not. That's fine when it's like in context. But people have to realize, like people like myself, it's not an ego thing. It's a value thing. Mm-hmm. So if I spend all this time answering DMs from people who aren't gonna move the ball for the company forward, I'm I'm doing a disservice to my family, my company, my product, my consumers, everybody. Everybody's busy. Yeah. yeah. So to attract people on that level, you have to kind of be somebody. If you want direct, like, let me DM this guy, let me get a response. You have to be somebody on that level. Or you can use the strategy, like you just said, to have a greater chance of me actually actually replying. Mm-hmm. There's people who do get in my filter section, and they'll either have a blue check or, like, be at the top. And I'll just randomly click it sometimes, and they'll have a genuine thing. And I'll, I'll look at their page, and because they have 10,000-plus followers, I'm like, oh, maybe you're somebody. Also, like, you're con- – like – if you're posting a lot of content, you'll get followers. But if your content's cool, I'll connect with people that are smaller if their content's dope. Mm-hmm. Like, my content is my gateway drug to also them networking with him. Like, I'll look mm-hmm. and be like, oh, this guy has some cool beats or he's doing some cool videos. Right. And instantly in my head, I'm like, oh, this guy is good. This guy might be somebody or this girl might be somebody. I'm going to go ahead and add them. I'll, I'll network with them now. Let right. that seed start growing, you mm-hmm. know? You pulled up a, a great point, which is um, you're building towards a goal. Like, you hope to, to team together with these people, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. right? Maybe, At some yeah, point. it might happen, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're an asset to you now. 
Whereas before, if there's like some random producer who you don't really plan on like collaborating with or doing anything with, it's not really mm -hmm. an asset. It's more like a, somebody draining you. You're giving value, but it's not gonna. I mean, it may return via reciprocity of the universe, but yeah. you're you got to be careful with influential people because their number one thing is: is this worth my time? Yeah. Well, also like something I like to look at is everybody's got a different story going on in their head. So, like, the story in your head about where your career's going, what you're doing with busy work speeds, you know, your plugins, all the different crazy shit you got going on, you have this storyline of how it's going to play out. Right. I have a different storyline of how my life's going to play out. And mm -hmm. a lot of times that people think you're when you're outreaching, they say, you should check out me. But that mm -hmm. person doesn't give a fuck about your storyline. Everybody has their own storyline. Mm -hmm. So it's actually better networking-wise to try and figure out a way to provide value to that storyline as you're this contributing piece of the storyline that they're trying to play out. You mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? Right. And that's that's been key for me. Like, I'm going to get... So what I do is a lot of times when I'm doing outreach messages, I, mm -hmm. I make giant spreadsheets of different people, and I write oh, wow. down, what is that person doing? And by mm -hmm. the way, a little secret tip for everybody watching this, if you want to connect with a an artist specifically or producer, mm -hmm. during their release, they are willing to go over the top towards any bit of extra promo. And it's your mm -hmm. best chance. If you can offer anything towards promo... Uh, to help an artist during their release period because they are the managers. Everybody is hot towards like, yo, how can we get more exposure? If right. you can slip in a message that, that adds extra value to that specific release, they're almost always willing to do it. Very and cool. so, for example, I really try to get people when they release new music to come on the show. I'm like, you can promote whatever the fuck you want. You right. know what I'm saying? And that helps a lot. But like, I've done it in a lot of different ways. You actually pulled up a perfect example. Um, DJ Fanatic Beat, shout out to him. He came to our live event in Philadelphia at Forge Recording Studios. Mm -hmm. Met him. He's a great guy. And what he did was to add value to a company called BeatStars, which is an online beat selling yeah. platform. He said, let me be a brand ambassador. I'll host your event in D.C., manage it, and do all the little logistics stuff. And BeatStars was cool with the Abe from BeatStars, who's the CEO. He said, cool. Yeah. And then DJ Fanatic became the ambassador and helped their brand grow and brought in all new people and all these cool things under the umbrella of beat stars without the headache of a you know ceo having a headache drew's calling me so he was probably done with the studio session oh, okay yeah but no it's a good example great example yeah and he was he was out to seek to add value so mm -hmm. Hell yeah. perfect example shout out to dj fanatic beats dope dope uh i want to do a giveaway there's actually a little item right here sick um you want a mini keyboard or launch pad <laughs> uh, MIDI keyboard. MIDI keyboard. Yeah. Um, shit, we're, we're running out of time, so we'll say fuck, fuck the audio portion for this. We'll just <laughs> okay. go to the giveaway. Um, Jordan, are you cutting to the wide? Oh Boom. God, I'm fucking <laughs> about to knock out busy. Yo, here we go. We got a MIDI keyboard. So what we'll do is uh, a couple quick things I want to do. Uh, one, I want to give you a chance to plug. You know, you got your music theory stuff. I think that'd be awesome. Oh, we're going to okay. do a music theory workshop while you're here, too. For sure. Yeah, fuck yeah. So, yeah, yeah guys. So, uh, I think Busy here has a bunch of awesome stuff when it comes to music theory, production. Regardless if you're using FL or not, uh, he's going to teach some awesome stuff uh, that I think almost every producer probably needs to hear. Because a little bit of music theory goes a long way for a producer. Mm -hmm. uh, so, after this podcast, we're going to take a break. We're going to shoot a workshop. But also, we're going to do a giveaway here. And we'll say all you got to do is just comment and timestamp. Uh, it definitely helps. It's not required. But comment your favorite moment in the podcast. 
I don't care if it's when, you know, Busy's getting deep on some philosophy, when we're talking about <laughs> FL Studio, mm-hmm. different plugin tips. It kind of just helps us, one, find awesome clips for social media, by the way. They do the hard work. Mm. Find the awesome clips. Oh, I love this part. Cool. Let me grab that part, put it on Instagram. You know I what I'm saying? That. Right. Yeah, it makes it easy for us. And then make sure you're subscribed to the Cymatic Show channel. We'll also say go subscribe to BusyWorks Beats YouTube channel as well. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. Here's something cool. This comes with Expand 2, which is ridiculously good. And it comes with Ableton Live Lite. So that those two alone like make this keyboard ridiculously valuable. Yeah. Fuck yeah. So uh yeah guys, just drop a drop a comment when you want to do it. And then um real quick, you wanna plug your 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 socials and stuff or like where people need to where do people need to go check out your shit? Uh, <laughs> where should they go? Good question. Um type in whatever you have a problem with with music production and then busy works beats into YouTube and all your problems will be answered. Right so you've now. done videos on everything. Yeah, over like I think we're near three thousand something crazy on your videos. YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. That's fucking insane. So your 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 problem is probably answered somewhere. Yeah, no, that's that's fucking awesome, and uh, it's cool. I'm not sure. Have you done shit like this before? Stuff like like long form interview style or like. Uh, I think I mean, people are going to see like a real side of like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> not just the music, like who is a guy? You right. Know? Um, I used to do live streams with Curtis King and different things, but um, not too many players like me and you who understand the bigger vision Picture of the of community. Like building your brand. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. people are going to love hearing the whole story and kind of a little bit more about you. And uh, sweet. Thanks. And yeah, guys, uh, definitely be on the lookout. We'll probably link it up in this podcast episode, but I'm going to mm-hmm. get him to sit down and share all the sauce when it comes to music theory. Oh, yeah. Um, probably don't have to direct you too much because you've done, you know, when I get artists in here who've never done videos before, they're a little nervous, but mm-hmm. YouTubers come in, they fucking, like Simon came in, he's like, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah I got you. <laughs> you course. need help record, recording software? He's like, dude, that fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to do a, a music theory. Is it going to be music theory for producers or hip hop producers? Or, or like, what do you, what do you think is best? Um, let me just show you how powerful this is i taught a photographer who knew nothing about music theory production and every place he goes that has a piano he starts playing chords out on the piano now i teach models i teach people who have no relevance to music at all how to play music on okay. grand pianos or in so the- it doesn't matter what okay great yeah so so you know if you're if you're a music producer and regardless of whether you actually know some music theory or not uh you want to either brush up on your skills or just build a good foundation we're gonna have some awesome for you guys the link will be in the description yeah. uh other than that i think that's a wrap boom there good, it is good shit man awesome bro episode is like 16 17 maybe i don't know what the fuck it is now but mm-hmm. dude great episode man glad awesome. you got in dude your name real quick your name pops up all the time who should we get on the podcast? Busy work speeds, busy work speeds, busy work speeds. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, there yeah. it is. You grish, uh, grish. There it is. Wish granted. And we can do more of these, by the way. Next time you're in Atlanta, anytime you're here, just swing by. We'll shoot an episode. Sick, I think that's man. sick. Of course. Cool. For sure. Boom. <laughs>